Well, we are kind of drawing to the end of uh, this series we've been doing for the last few months, entitled I Believe in God, But, just to explain the thinking behind it, uh, kind of figure there's a gap in most of our lives between what we say we believe and what tends to be our day-to-day practice. And so what I've been trying to do over the last few weeks, last few months, is close that gap ever so slightly so that we begin living lives more and more consistent with our faith. If you remember, we started off by exploring the wonder of who we are in Christ. We're chosen, we're accepted, we're adopted as sons. It's as though we live with all the privilege of sonship in God's family. It's like we've been invited into this phenomenal relationship with God that's characterized by love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, and his favor, and all these blessings he just keeps pouring on us. And then God turns around to us and says, look, since I've invited you into this phenomenal relationship, I want you to start now living in the good of it. And so, what I've been doing over the last few weeks is starting to unpack some of the implications of this for our prayer life, for our attitude and commitment towards the church, for our sex life, for our attitude towards money and possessions, and then last time, the way we talk about our faith with other people. Now, before we go any further, I just want to underline the fact that in all of this, the goal really hasn't been to give you merely a whole bunch of new rules to live by. It's been much more about helping you to see some of the radical implications of who you are in Christ lived out practically in everyday life. It's not about condemning you for not being good enough and not hitting the mark. It's more about releasing you to be the people that God has chosen for you to be. And so this morning, I want to show you what this looks like specifically in our attitudes towards others, especially when it comes to forgiving them. Now, before I go any further, at at the very outset, I've I've got to confess, I think I'm facing quite a battle here because what I'm going to say today isn't really very intuitive. You see, most of the time, we tend to do unto others as we think they deserve. Now, that's fine, for anyone who doesn't know God. I mean, it kind of makes sense as a way to live. It's natural to operate that way. But for those who enjoy relationship with God, if you really understand something of the significance of what it meant for Jesus to die for you, if you really grasp that you don't get from God what you deserve, but that you've received precisely what you don't deserve, it will have implications. It will have this ripple effect in pretty much all of our relationships. I mean, how could I treat people less than my Heavenly Father has treated me? It's pretty much the point that the Apostle Paul makes in the passage that we're going to be camping out in for the rest of this talk today. If you have your Bible with you, maybe you could turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. If you haven't got a Bible, no worries, the words will appear on the screen behind me. Paul is writing this letter to the church 
in Ephesus. And this is what he says to them. I think you're going to find he says something that's really quite insensitive. Verse 31, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Just get rid of it all. In other words, let me just summarize. If you are here today and in any way you are bitter, you have resentment, maybe you are angry with someone, just get rid of it. Okay, that's me finished. Let's pray. I mean, it, it could be as straightforward and simple as that. I do have something more to say. So uh, <laughs> well, let's face it. Paul would have been an awful pastor. It's like you go to see him and you start opening up to him about maybe how your parents got divorced when you were young or your dad never had any time for you or how your employer is mistreating you and, and, you, and you just struggle with that. It's like you're angry inside and Paul's going, no, 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 just stop, get rid of it all. And you're thinking, how can he give that advice? I mean, he's not even heard my story. But before he tells me to get rid of all that stuff, he's got to hear what's happened to me. If he listened to what I had to say, surely he would say that I am an exception to the rule. But that's not what Paul says. It's as though he lists every kind of negative response to what has happened to you. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander. And just to ensure he hasn't accidentally missed something off the list, he adds, along with every form of malice, which basically means every single kind of ill will you may have towards anybody, just get rid of the lot of it. Now, for those of us who from time to time feel anger, or bitterness, or rage, or malice against someone who's wronged us, the chances are we either don't really want to get rid of those feelings, or we don't know how. We don't want to forgive them because it feels like they don't deserve it, or we want to forgive them, but it's as though the bitterness has too big a hold on us. And so we can hear Paul's teaching here, and just dismiss it. I mean, what does Paul know? But before you dismiss this, here's why I think we do need to take Paul very, very seriously here. First of all, Paul is not writing this from a beach in the Bahamas. He's writing this under house arrest whilst chained to a Roman guard. He's been unjustly treated by the political system and he's largely been ignored by the Christians that he's giving his life to try to help. It's as though everywhere he turns, that the people who used to be his friends are now responsible for him being in prison and the people who should be his friends aren't doing a whole lot about his plight. He has good reason to be mad at the Jews, the Christians, the Romans... And I think he's probably got reason to be mad at God. I mean, his life was fine until he started following Jesus. It's as though the moment he became a Christian, everything started unraveling for him. Everything started falling apart for him. Just read the book of Acts. It's unbelievable what he went through. Persecution, criticism, floggings, shipwrecks, He's even bitten by a deadly snake. I mean, you name it, he faced it. 
And Paul now is writing this letter to a bunch of people who, largely speaking, have ignored him. And he's saying, have you got any bitterness? Do you harbour any anger? Do you want to slander anyone? Well, if so, just get rid of it. Now, no matter what you think of the Bible, isn't it true that when you meet someone who's been through something unbelievably difficult, incredibly tough, and they've not only survived it, but they are somehow thriving in spite of it, doesn't that get your attention? Gets my attention. But when I, meet, when I meet people who have gone through an awful time, just this dreadful set of circumstances, and they've managed to come through the other side, and they're not bitter, they're, they're not angry, they're not depressed, they're not cynical, they're not dysfunctional in their relationships with others. Somehow, they've worked through all that stuff. I want to hear their story. I want to know their secret. Because when I put myself in their place, I'm not so sure I'd respond that way. So I think Paul has credibility because of his circumstances. The second reason I listen to what Paul has to say on this subject is because he seriously believes that it is possible to get rid of all of that stuff. Because again, I've got to confess, there have been times in my life where I have been so hurt that to be perfectly honest, I've thought it is impossible to get over it. Can you relate to that? I mean, a whole bunch of people in this church who have been through such incredibly traumatic circumstances, whether it's in your family, your job, financially, or whatever. And at times, you think you can cope. You can kind of manage the situation by blocking it out with busyness or uh, alcohol or relationships or other distractions, but you never think you'll be completely over it. You don't think it's ever going to be possible to let go of those feelings of bitterness and resentment and anger. And Paul says, actually, I think you can. I really do think you can be free of it. I don't think it has to wreak havoc with all of your relationships forever. I think you can be a different person. Now, regardless of whether you think this is the divinely inspired Word of God, I happen to believe it is, you may beg to differ, but here's a guy who claims it is possible to move beyond all that stuff. So, because of his story, and I think because of what he claims, I think he's worth taking seriously. I mean, what if? What if Paul is onto something here? I think it's at least worth taking a look, because the risk is pretty low, the payoff is potentially huge. Think about it. If you could really get rid of your anger, if you could face the people who have hurt you and not allow it to control you. If you could be free of that bitterness and resentment that you feel inside, wouldn't you be interested? Here's the solution. Having told us to get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, Paul then says, verse 32, Be kind 
and compassionate to one another. It's a huge contrast. There's an implied but. There's an implied instead of. Instead of all that negative stuff, the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, the every form of malice. Instead of all of that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start being kind. I want you to begin being compassionate with others. Paul's saying, come on, don't allow what has happened in your past to keep on influencing, to keep on affecting the way you view others in the here and now. To which perhaps you're thinking, yeah, but how? I, I really don't think I can do this. Which brings us to the word that I think we probably all struggle with at times. How do we get rid of all those feelings? Paul says it starts with forgiving each other. Really, that is the key. We need to forgive. I suppose we all have our own definitions of what forgiveness means, what forgiveness looks like in practice. But ultimately, I think forgiveness is a decision It's something we have the power to decide to do. You hurt me, but I'm going to decide to forgive you. You betrayed me, but I choose to forgive you. You you left me, but as an act of my will, I forgive you. You embarrassed me, but it's my choice. I forgive you. You took what belonged to me, but I'm going to decide to forgive you. It's like we're to develop a lifestyle where we're constantly making the decision to give the gift of forgiveness to the people around us. What's forgiveness? It's a decision. What's it a decision to do? To be specific, it's a decision to cancel the debt. Forgiveness says, I've decided in spite of what you have done to me, no matter how much it has hurt me, despite the havoc it's wreaked, whatever it might be, I've reached the decision, you don't owe me anymore. You see, every time you are hurt, there's a sense in which something is taken from you. When you distill it all down. The reason you're angry is because somewhere in the past somebody took something from you that you owned or you thought you deserved. Might be your dad leaving your mum when you were younger and taking from you the opportunity to grow up with the family intact. Might be your spouse walking out and robbing you of the opportunity to finish life with the person you started with. Could be those harsh words spoken to you when you were growing up that kind of destroyed your confidence. Could be the person who forced you to do things sexually that you didn't want to do and it feels like they took away your innocence. They robbed you of your purity. Maybe someone got the promotion that you thought you deserved or or got the invitation that you were expecting to receive or didn't take the relationship quite where you were hoping it would go and it feels like your dreams have been shattered. Every time you have been hurt there's a sense in which something has been taken from you. 
And the reason I believe that that is important to grasp is you cannot really cancel the debt if you don't understand what's been taken. Forgiveness weighs up the debt. It considers the cost and it says, I realize you took this from me, but I'm making the active conscious decision, I now cancel that debt. I'm not going to work through the issues of blame any longer. I'm not going to wait until you apologize before I forgive you. I'm, I'm not going to wait until you own up to it. I'm not going to leave it a while longer in the hope it makes you suffer even more. I'm making the decision on my own. You don't owe me anymore. Forgiveness is a decision to cancel the debt. Now let's be honest. This is where a lot of us really struggle. Because we're thinking, but they do still owe me. And if we decide to cancel the debt they owe us, it's like we are letting them off the hook. They're getting away with it. They're going free. And that's just not fair. I tell you, I'm a firm believer in justice especially when someone else has wronged me. I can't just let them off the hook. And we can go on and on and on like this. Remember, I warned you at the beginning, this isn't intuitive. It doesn't come naturally to us. Let's be honest, this doesn't come naturally to any of us. I'm guessing that if you're here today and and you don't know God for yourself, you, you, you don't really have any kind of relationship with Him. I'm guessing that this is all particularly puzzling for you. It's as though what I'm saying doesn't make any rational, logical sense whatsoever. Now, I don't want you hearing me wrong. I'm incredibly glad you're here. I want you to know, I want you to hear the message of Christianity that our God, at great cost to himself, sacrificed his own son so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be saved. But you need to know that primarily in this talk, I'm addressing the Christians in the room. Because at the end of the day, if you've never been forgiven... Forgiveness doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you. It's like you're always going to lack the motivation to forgive others if you've never tasted the goodness and the reality of forgiveness yourself. That's why Paul says what he says right at the end of this verse. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In other words, don't forgive others only if they deserve it. No, forgive one another because you are a forgiven person. Remember, you've been invited into a relationship with God in spite of the colossal debt you owed him. You you had this sin debt hanging round your neck you could never ever repay. I had a sin debt I could never pay back. We genuinely, honestly owed God something. God looked at you. God looked at me. You know what he said? He said, in Christ, I forgive you. You know what that means? It means you don't owe me. It means I'm cancelling your debt. He says, my son took the punishment that you deserved. He bore my justice. He paid the price. Then he turns to us. And he says, in light of all of this, 
I now want you to go and do to others what I did for you. I want you to decide you don't owe me. I'm forgiving you just as in Christ God forgave me. Debt cancelled. Let me just try and grapple with you on this. Because I know for sure some of you are still finding this exceptionally hard. If you are still struggling with what I'm saying, if you still think your story trumps anything I've got to say on the matter, if everything in you wants to argue you are the exception to the rule, I'll just stop you in your tracks. Can I warn you? You will never ever find freedom as long as you stay focused in on the people who have hurt you and wronged you. You will never find the freedom and the motivation to forgive as long as all you can see is the people who have taken something from you. Listen, you only find freedom, you only find motivation when you refocus on the one who has forgiven you. Forgive one another just as, in the same way, to the same degree, in the same form as, in Christ, God forgave you. And do you know how He's forgiven you? He's forgiven you finally. It was a one-time decision. We don't even have to talk about it anymore. He's forgiven us finally. He's forgiven you fully, In other words, his forgiveness covers absolutely everything you have done and ever will do. You now live in a constant state of forgiveness. And he's forgiven you freely. It wasn't a trade. It wasn't conditional. It wasn't to be paid back over many years with interest. It was completely free. And he says to you, And he says to me, if you still struggle to forgive, if you would somehow try to shift your attention away from the one who hurt you, from the person who walked out on you, from the partnership that didn't go right, from the person who still owes you, and over time, if you could somehow try and shift your focus more and more onto your heavenly Father and His forgiveness and His debt cancellation for you, then you'll begin to find within yourself the grace and the mercy and the power to cancel the debt of the people who have hurt you so deeply. But apart from the realization that you have been forgiven, forgiveness will always be a struggle for you. Do you see? If you have not locked in on your forgiveness... There's just not much reason to forgive others. I think the biggest reason, the most significant reason why most of us refuse to forgive is we simply forget how Jesus has forgiven us. It's not at the forefront of our minds. We're not talking about it. We're not thinking about it. We're not celebrating it. We're not letting it transform our hearts. We're not pondering and meditating on it. It's like our mind isn't fixed on Christ and things above. It's fixed on us and things below. We so easily forget what is done. I'm telling you, 
the sustaining power that you need to forgive other people only comes through receiving forgiveness yourself and then living in the good of it on a day-to-day basis. Now look, even having said all of that, I'm still acutely aware that forgiving others isn't easy. I, I know how deep this goes for many people in the room. And so before we finish, I want to try and make this as practical as possible. I want to give you three steps that you can take. First of all, identify who you're angry with. Identify who you're angry with. This is the easy part for some of you. You you don't even need to think about it. The, The list is already fully formed in your mind. There is anger towards parents, there's anger towards ex friends, towards the driver who cut you up on the route this morning, towards institutions that have wronged us, towards strangers, family members who have abused us, towards people in our class at school or flatmates who have just annoyed and irritated us over and over and over again. I suggest the fact that you feel angry when you think about them is a pretty clear indicator that you still need to forgive these people. Now, I don't know, maybe you'd argue back, no, I have forgiven them, It's like I'm putting them out of my mind. I try not to think about them. I refuse to talk to them. I I just try and avoid them. That shows I've got over it. I've forgiven them. No. Ignoring a debt isn't the same as cancelling a debt. That the fact that thinking about them still makes you bitter, still makes you resentful, still makes you angry shows that you still need to forgive them. You need to start by identifying who you're angry with. Secondly, you then need to move on and determine what it is they owe you. Let me tell you what, this may be the thing that frees you up. You need to determine what they owe you. You see, this is the part that most people skip. What happens is we realize we're angry with someone, we hear a talk like this and we feel a bit bad and we know we should forgive them, so we pray, Lord, I forgive them, amen. But you can't really forgive a debt that you've never quantified. What do they owe you? What did they take from you? What did they rob you of? What is it that will never be a part of your life because of them? You've recognized they've made you angry you know they'll never really be a part of your life again. You you want to put it behind you, but to do that, you need to answer this question. What specifically do they owe me? Maybe they took your childhood, your reputation, your income, your marriage, your ability to have children, your health. What is it they stole from you? need to identify that. And then third, when you're ready, you've got to then decide to cancel that debt. So as we've seen, forgiveness is a decision. You need to have a moment in time where you decide once and for all they don't owe you 
anymore. And then from that point on, whenever the memories come back, because they will come back, they won't go away. Well, whenever those thoughts come back into your mind, you need to stop and say, no, that debt has now been cancelled. They don't owe me anymore. They are forgiven. And in that moment, that is your cue, that is your prompt, if you like, to shift your focus from the source of your pain to the source of your forgiveness. And every time a picture of them, a memory of them comes to mind, you stop and say, Father, thank you for this prompt to stop and reflect on the fact I am now a forgiven person. And just as you cancelled my debt, so I have chosen to cancel theirs. Just as you forgave me fully, finally, freely, so I've now chosen to cancel their debt. Let me close with this. Earlier in the year, as many of you will know, my my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Now, if you've ever been in that kind of a situation, you don't sit down with the doctor and talk for hours and hours and hours and hours about where it came from. When you find out that you have cancer, what's your number one concern? How to get rid of it. Well, once I've got a correct diagnosis, I don't want to keep focusing on how I got it. I want to focus on what to do to get rid of it. I don't want to live one day of my life with this thing in my body that I don't need to. And in many respects, unforgiveness is like a cancer. It will eat you up inside. It will destroy you. Tragically. A lot of people hold on to it out of a desire for vengeance. They want to punish the other person. But ultimately, the only one who unforgiveness punishes is you. So here's my challenge for you today. Instead of staying so focused on the source, why not focus on the solution? Instead of dwelling the whole time on the person or the group or the circumstances that happened, why not refocus onto the solution? Identify who's hurt you, identify what they took from you, and then, when you're ready, make the decision they don't owe you anymore. Make the decision to forgive, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to pray.